year. Welcome back, everybody, to the Implausible Podcast Business Spotlight. Um, today we have Isaac. Isaac, say your last name, because I Isaac Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> All right. Um, he is the co-creator of Zone, a playing card that is on the verge of coming out. Correct. Indeed. All right. Um. I'm here with, you know, my co-host, Zevi. Right. A.K.A. Malik. <laughs> A.K.A. Malik. <laughs> All right. Um, just to start out, though, like, you know, how's everybody's day? You good? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Right. Took my vitamins right. earlier. So, Isaac, tell us a little about yourself. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I'm, I myself... Uh, I'm a young male. <laughs> so I'm 24. Uh, recently, college, uh, college graduate, uh, engin- uh, majoring in energy engineering, uh, and wanted to take a dabble in making a card game a while back, about two years ago. Um, as of now, uh, how I progressed in it is when we'll get into that a little bit later. But as of now, my current lifestyle, trying to navigate through COVID, finding a job, and you know, just enjoying life. I feel you. I feel you. So. So what what exactly is Zone? Like, if you okay. had to describe it in your own words, how, how would you go about that? I think I would describe it as a very unique card game, you know, because it relies on a lot of the mechanics of, like, household card games, such as Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering, and implement some new things, such as new card games, such as Digimon, TCG, or Gate Ruler. Uh, implement a lot of mechanics from those games into one to give a unique flavor to the player. Uh, for our card game, we kind of took um, a, the magic approach where we will introduce a lot of the lore and world of Zone through the card game. So th- since uh, such things may accompany, a, uh, such as a comic book may accompany the card game, a lot of the lore will be discussed in the card. And they, as the way the, the way the players play will kind of determine what goes on. So those those call game a few those call games I'm sorry those call games that you mentioned earlier such as Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic were those pretty much your inspiration to making it or did something else inspire you? Um, what so we're kind of going to an origin story. So uh, basically, what kind of inspired us is that uh, from going from middle school to high school, uh, a lot of my friends started getting back to Yu-Gi-Oh, so I decided to dabble in it again. Uh, we started to take it competitively, so we started to go to regionals and so on and so forth. And we said, you know what? when we were young we were like you know if they can make a car so can we i mean at the time we weren't taking it seriously to make a product but you know we just tried to try it anyway so mm-hmm. my um uh, my brother antonio uh, decided to really make it the schematics of zones that's when i guess the idea kind of gave life you know he was to be really honest he was the real creator of the car game and i just kind of was next to him as he was going through the whole schematics um and i think for him what inspired him to make the schematics of zone was um Yu-Gi-Oh, because he really loved Yu-Gi-Oh, and I think Duel Masters. I don't know if anyone remembers that card game. Yeah. Uh, for I can say, yeah, Bull Shock <laughs> Dragon. Um, but yeah, so I think a good inspiration would be from Yu-Gi-Oh, because that was really popular to us when we were kids. Thanks. I, I still have my deck. I wish I, I wish I had it on me. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, what are some challenges? um that you had while creating zone along the way um like 
what was one of your main struggles, especially? And well, number one would be COVID. Like as a lot of businesses kind of happened the time because around two years ago is when we started going off. So uh, one year prior to COVID is when we started to really try to dabble into it. So we started making the group of battle core, trying to navigate through that and trying to make, uh, finding the resources to make zone where it is now in terms of development. So we had to do a lot of research on copyright. We had to do a lot of research on our competitors, such as Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering, uh, Pokemon, Battle Spirits, Duel Masters. And uh, we had to really research like, well, how, what is the current market for the US? What is the current market globally, uh, such as that? Uh, what would we use as, I guess, a catalyst to produce our cards? Um, who would be our artists, you know, how the game functions and a lot of testing, is it appealing? What is our target audience? It was a lot to uh, really consider. But I think the most challenging thing of it all, well, I think two would be really challenging. Uh, finding out what's appealing to the current audience today uh, in terms of what they want in a card game. And um, definitely, I'll, funding and allocating funds you know we have the funds and then how what's the best place to put them to make sure that we don't fall short against our competitors because at the end of the day we have to realize uh, we're just a small group going against things such as bandai kunami wizards of the coast they have they are established companies and they're our rivals so unless we sell our product to them at the end of the day these are giants that we have to avoid getting stepped on okay so like, so I, I would imagine creating your own call game or being a part of that creation is kind of like making a whole new world, right? So how, how has that creative process been like throughout your journey so far? Hit it right on the nail, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it is entertaining it's like it's like a love-hate relationship you know like you have to understand that what really brings some card games to life is as you said the world that provides with them that's why magic the gathering has been so successful since its time that's why it's also at times referred to as the grandpappy of all card games because the world it provides is so expensive and so um easy to be immersed in and for us as we try to make zone we try to make sure that every a lot of the cards you see has a role in the world of it so such as if i were to name some cards to you you won't know what they are until upon release but such as a tenth you know a tenth is a a prince that became a, a dragonic being out of a curse due to his father by being banished out of his kingdom you know such lore as that is important because you know sometimes not everyone comes in for the competitive aspect but more of um the immersion aspect you know and it, it definitely is a struggle because, you know, there's only so much one mind can handle. So I definitely yeah. had to make a team to be like, hey, you know, you're in charge of this color and nation. You're in charge of this color and nation. What's, how do they intertwine? What is their economy and sorts? We really get in depth into it. And we have to, at times, do research on, like, how real world things go. This way we could try, like, oh, you know, this wouldn't make sense in this kind of world because, you know, like, what's the currency in the world? How do they go about today? Is there a su supremacy? Is there kingdoms? You know, yada, 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 you know? That's kind of like your, um, well, like Malik said before, you're making your own world um, storyline and based off of how many, you know, I guess nations or elements you have, you have to try and intertwine all of them at once. 
So mm-hmm. I get what you're going at. Like it is like a love hate relationship because some things may not add up to other things. Yep. The last thing you want is like a whole Dragon Ball Z scenario where you get recons and things. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it don't make no type of sense. Yeah. So more more of a personal question. Um, what what is what is your personal favorite card game? My personal like, favorite. Oh. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never good at picking number ones. You you found my weakness. Um or, or or another another way to say it is which which call game are you the best at? Which one the best at? Yeah, uh, it gotta be Yu Gi Oh hands down. Hands I, down. I, I, hands down. I, I'm I'm booty at magic. <laughs> I'm booty <laughs> at magic. I had my hand in Hearthstone. I'm booty at that too. Recently uh, played Digimon. <laughs> yeah, man. man, yeah, man. I'm booty, bro. Um, I think uh, Digimon. I think I'm I'm dabbling in that now. But Yu-Gi-Oh, hands down, has to be the best card game I'm in because I really took a part in the competitive scene. Know a lot of how the economy works. Used to sometimes make my living off of selling cards in Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, so I think hands down that had to be the best card game for me. Speaking speaking of that, uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, you doing regional. How how was that experience? Oh, I think I think that's just an experience that if you play competitively, just can't beat. You interact with a lot of people. You know, you play in a lot of matches. Sometimes, unfortunately, people don't know how to shower, so they have to deal with that. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I thought uh, that was just that was just a stereotype. I you know it was <laughs> <laughs> no, bro. <laughs> Funny enough, they recently had to make a rule that if you don't have you don't smell good, you can't come in. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm glad they did it, but you know, it's past my time. Um, yeah. but it's exciting because you come in there to compete against um maybe like a hundred plus other people who maybe need to practice spend a lot of money on their decks and so on and so forth just to compete for a place to maybe travel to another state and then maybe compete on a world uh, platform if you want to go to japan and stuff you know and it's very exciting to uh, meet a lot of new people do a lot of trades uh, get some new connections join see some new groups and see how everyone interacts in the card game. Sometimes you have your casuals, you have your hyper competitive people, you have your collectors. It's it's a it's a very nice experience. Well, wow, that's cool. That's cool. I um I always wondered how that experience would be personally because I when I was younger, I used to also play card games like Yu-Gi-Oh and video games like Pokemon or Call of Duty, and I was never hip to the fact that you can actually be professional like be a professional gamer and go to things like regionals and stuff like that so after a while i started like staring away because i thought i was wasting time so mm. the thought of like just just me personally like yo if i had kept building that skill and challenged myself to like play other people and go to these things that that, that whole thing just sounds cool so i was wondering like like a uh, different perspective. Ah, okay. I see. Okay. Okay. I think um to follow up on that. Uh and nowadays it's more accepting for people to be professional gamers, especially on esports. You see like, you know, people else like play Smash Bros, League of Legends, Call of Duty, yeah. Overwatch. It I think though it's still a struggle for people such as tabletop players that play card games to be considered professional because I guess the RNG aspect of a card game. 
um, but people are still trying, such as Magic the Gathering. They have cash tournament prizes that might be like like 10K tournaments, 5K tournaments, you know? That's a recent thing that became Digimon 2 during the pandemic. They have like 1K tournaments, 2K tournaments, 5K tournaments. You know, people try to make a living off of that. So um, it is it is a struggle at the moment for our still gamers to make a living off of it. But it, I, think, I think I have hope that it will be an up and coming process. It's funny that you actually say that because it actually goes into the next question. Um, basically, like with technology growing the way it is, do you think that it's effective um, in the longevity of card games and collectibles like that? Like, do you consider the growth of tech a challenge when trying to make a tabletop card game? I question. Uh, I think it in a challenge in the sense to learn how to utilize it, you know, because recently I have dabbled in trying to make a zone, product zone into a tabletop game online. And at first, you know, a few years back, it was difficult for me because coding was out of my expertise. In that area, gaming code about coding games, to rephrase it, um, was I'm expertise, and I had to learn how to do it. And but as time went on, technology got easier to deal with, and it's now a lot easier to code games such as things in Unity and Unreal Engine. Because there's so many tutorials. They have like starter packs for people. Like anyone can come in to make a game and make an animate and a character and just go at it now. So, but to really learn how to utilize it and make a proficient game is. Um, yeah, I think would be a difficult part because you'd have to learn to make sure the inner workings are all right, make sure they're not, there's no glitches, uh, make sure that it's, you can articulate information to the player very easily um, and so on and so forth. Uh, if I were to pick between releasing zone as a video game versus a tabletop game, I, I'd, I'd have a difficult choice making because while it is more convenient to release something on a video game, there is something about players and interacting with individuals, especially with people who like, realized during the pandemic, having to play a person across the table, that interaction just can't be replaced by um, a video game. It can't be replaced by that, you know? I think that would be a pretty tough choice for me. Um, okay. I got a question, actually. Um, yes. your, your opinion on a scale of one to 10, how difficult do you think it would be for a new player to adjust to the, the rules of zone um if if they had previous car game experience we have seen in our studies that it, it only takes about a game or two for them to completely understand so you know if they have prior experience if they are a player that's never touched any form of tcg well short for trading card game i feel like it would take maybe like four to five games for them to truly understand inner works in zones because Based on our research, it seems as though Zone is a card game that is very easy to enter, but I think hard to master. Very easy way to, uh, very easy way to entry, but hard to like reach the ceiling. You know. I can attest to this because I actually did test out um, Isaac's card game a couple months ago. Uh, yes. Um, like my first game, I really I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> he had to explain the rules a couple times but by like the second or third game I started to understand a little more granted that I lost I mean he is the owner of the game but yeah. it, it did get a little more like easier to understand after a while so I can attest to that all right I'm, I'm coming once it drop I'm coming for that top spot 
I'm gonna study oh, up. For real? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna challenge you, you di directly. <laughs> oh man, man, you call me Pegasus, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically, uh, this goes back to the same technology question again. Um, mm -hmm. seeing that, I guess, marketing strategy-wise, um, how kids or people that usually would play these games are more younger now. Yep. Um, and their attention span when it comes to like physical copies is hard. You know, everything is basically online for everything. How would you be able to like market um, or like attract these type of audience to mm. your card game? So that's something we did struggle for a while with, I think in the first year, like who's our target audience. And mm -hmm. we've come to decide what we're, what we're leaning on is that our target audience is, the, is an older audience. So, um, you know, going from like maybe like teenagers to like uh, young adults, because the, the world of zone is an immersive one and has more real everyday content to it. Like, you know, like maybe a little bit of racism, a bit of like uh, capitalism inside there, a world you get attached to um, because of how real it is. And and the way the artwork is, it's um, more targeted towards an audience. It's not as cartoonish or animated as such as such as Japanese card games, such as Card Fight Vanguard or Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, so it's really, I think it'd be easier to appeal to them. Uh, if we wanted to target the younger audience in terms of marketing strategy, I think we would probably uh, convert over to the video game. Because as you said, it's uh, a lot of the younger kids nowadays tends to look at their phone, which is really convenient. So you see, I know you see like some card games has migrated to mobile, such as maybe Hearthstone or uh, Magic the Gathering. And I think Digimon tried it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, um, such as that. So I think if we wanted to attract or appeal to, you know, little kids, such as my, my younger cousin, who's like seven, um, I think I would definitely go mobile because it's easy to flash things inside a kid's eyes, even though they have no idea what they're doing, you know, all the sparks seems really appealing to them. Got you. Uh, so like how, from the sound of it, I feel like Zone does have this potential, but I want to hear from you. How do you feel like, let's say looking down into the future, right? You see how uh, Yu-Gi-Oh is a card game and they have Yu-Gi-Oh the show, or you could say the same thing with Pokemon or Digimon where they have a story that kind of goes within the world of the card, of the game. Mm. Um, do you feel as if Zone has that same potential? Um, man, that's that's a good question. Um, I, I we <laughs> you be crazy to not set your potential high. You should always be for the story. Uh, that's true. That's true. I feel like because the, he brought up a good one because the examples he gave, they always had a story where the cards and the characters interacted, while for card games such as uh magic the gathering there is no card games in the world of magic there are just people and the card games that you play are representative of these people right so uh, yeah. indeed so you know you don't you don't like you know if you play scene like Yu-Gi-Oh, you seen yugi he summons you know dark magician you know and you play you can also play dark magician while for magic there's a character made like uh car and she in her world there are no card games it's just war you know, and you play her in the card game. I think for Zone, we took the route of, because we're targeting an older audience, we took the route of the magic, where 
there's this immersive world that you can read about and learn about and see animated, such as, uh, for example, like League of Legends. It's another good example. Well, there's no League of Legends inside the world of League of Legends. There's just a bunch of characters interacting with each other. Um, we chose that instead because we felt like that would appeal more to an older audience. You know, if we ever had the funds to release an animation, we would probably then steer to what Yu-Gi-Oh does and build a character in a character world where they play card games and this way children can relate to them, which is easier to advertise to these children. Isn't that kind of like, it's another example of that is uh, Hearthstone is based off of World of Warcraft. Ah, World of Warcraft, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, I think so. That I, I, I do not know. Because I remember, I forgot, I remember seeing something about that. Like, I've never played World of Warcraft. I played Hearthstone. But mm. the characters within the card, I think, is based off of um, World of Warcraft, like the game. Mm-hmm. And, like, their characters and stuff like that. I think I think that if, if you phrase it, yeah, that's that would fit the bill of the example, yeah. Well, so I think I know what you're getting at. Bye. Okay, that was a good answer. Um. Hmm. I feel. Well, actually, out of curiosity, mm-hmm. do you have a card on you right now that you could you could give a sneak peek, or is that not? <sighs> I can't reveal too much. Nah, you know? nah, okay, I <laughs> can't reveal my cards in my hand. <laughs> yeah. Maybe after when we when we end the yeah. the right, cool, cool, cool. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Um I guess I my question would actually be if you could give a little example of the lore that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um maybe for your favorite um I see in your background you have different elements. Oh. Um, <laughs> So oh, let's, could... let's, let's see the shirt too. Let's see the shirt too. Oh yeah, you're right. Here you go. If you could just explain like a little something of, I guess, one of the nation's elements, or I don't know what oh, you yes. classify them as. I can certainly do that. I can certainly do that. But before I do that, repping battle team battle core right here. See us on Facebook, YouTube, hey. Twitter, and all sorts. Behold, Digimon uh, Twenty. Just letting everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think uh, I I'm currently representing. The red one, which is Infernal Zone. Uh, Infernal Zone is a somewhat of a desert wasteland uh, with very few oases where humans can populate themselves. Uh, something similar or akin to the uh, the Middle East of the world, you know, where uh, the climate is very hot. You know, there's very few places where humans can actually populate, and the places that are very hot are kind and cannot be popular with humans are kind of surrounded by a lot of demons or dragons of the sorts. So you want to be wary when traveling through this zone. They are neighboring next to Terra Zone, who is also known for their luscious forests, their shamans, and so on and so forth. Um, these two zones tend to not interact with one another because of the different cultures they have. One believes more akin to uh, living a lifestyle in solitude, which would be Infernal Zone, because of the lack of territory around them and a lack of humans, while TerraZone tends to interact and indulge in uh, inter- interactions with Dawn Zone, their respective brothers, because TerraZone has a lot of natural resources, such as gold, forests, animals, and so on and so forth, while Dawn Zone is the, most, is the nation most populated by humans, so they require a lot of things to sustain those humans. So I think mm-hmm. the interaction between those three, I like the best. They have dust zone over here, kind of doing malicious things. We'll get to them later, you know. 
that. Yeah, I think I've I like that. I like that. I, I, I don't like that. That game sounds a big day. <laughs> <laughs> I feel Man. like I feel like people are going to get sucked in with with all the different possibilities of the world and stuff. That's, that sounds. Yeah. That's kind of dangerous. Exactly. We want to grab you in, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you, know, just, you just you buy our drugs and we give it to you, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but based off of that little like snippet, like I definitely can see myself like interacting or like having a favorite you know zone based off of you know i guess the interaction that they have with other ones or like their personality itself it's cool that like each zone has like their own niche to them Uh um i always gravitate to water regardless of like (laughs) but rose and atami yeah there you go but you know the the other ones sound pretty cool I like to learn more, you know. Um, let's see, what can I ask you? Oh, so all right, there we go. So you said that you are underneath uh Battle Court as you represented short mm-hmm. again one time for the one time. One time. Ah, there, there you go, go, there you go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my question would just be like, what's the process of finding these sponsorships? on in basically collaborators like how were you able to you know define the sponsorship <laughs> collab with them um i think a lot of them were like well you know classified ones the people that came here and there that wanted to indulge people with a certain amounts of money that just happened to come my way um some of them were uh some sponsors like some fiverr you know they helped me from time to time if i meet some some requirements um, but I will say it is difficult to find, um, I guess, funding from others who are willing to support you, uh, you know, and don't want to buy your product, you know, that they will want to help you own your product instead of own your product. You see what I'm saying? Because a lot of the time, a lot of these bigger companies, usually when a creator such as me or Franklin, uh, such as Antonio, uh, comes to them, they're like, yeah, we're going to own and control about 95%. And you just get five, <laughs> you know. And this reminds me of a story of the creative of Buddy Fight. The creative Buddy Fight had an unfortunate experience with his, uh, I guess, quote sponsor, where they basically told him and had gave him a restraining order from his car game, and he couldn't be, I think, anywhere within two miles of a car shop that had that car game, and he couldn't be anywhere in the tournament. So it's it was it sometimes get pretty bad, you know. But it's and it's difficult to find individuals that will help you and not try to own you, I think. And the process of that is kind of word of mouth. You kind of have to find them on your own and have to reach out to your own, that people that be willing to help you and kind of just develop a network with individuals like, hey, do you know anyone that's willing to indulge in this industry? Because I think I have something, a pretty good pitch to give to them and so on and so forth. Was it Was it difficult for you in terms of like, gaining knowledge on the business side of, of the card game and like copywriting and, and things like that? Oh, yes. I think it was very difficult for me because it's not, a lot of them are kind of trade secrets, you know, or things you learn in school. And you have to, and if you don't exactly um, major in it, because I made engineering, I didn't have to learn anything about business, you know? So if you didn't major in it, you had to like kind of figure out yourself through, I guess, textbook stuff. Luckily, I came across 
um, a, a, another person that's also trying to develop his own car game who had the experience and the knowledge and went to school for it. And he kind of mentored me as to what I should do or need to do to make sure that I don't run into any issues. So I had that blessing, fortunately. Cool, that's cool. Oh, actually, I actually have a question. Um, so as some of y'all may know or may not know, I am a graphic designer, right? So um, just for like you personally, like how or like what do you look for when or if you have help from someone designing your cards, like what? Because I understand like everybody has a different eye and everybody's pers uh, perspective on art is very different. Um, how are you able to create graphically something that can attract people's eyes um, while also keeping your idea the way that you want it to be instead of altering it for people, if that makes sense. Um, I guess to help narrow the ideas, I can give you a more straight answer. Are you referring to the artwork of the card or the template of the card? I would say the artwork, the artwork. meaning like the what's final on the card. Uh, so if I were to say the artwork, such as the character itself, when I typically, you know, on a regular day for Isaac, he kind of wakes up, goes on the computer, <laughs> kind of searches through Fiverr and uh, sees, because, uh, you know, since Cyber tends to help me, um, sees, goes through a list of artists that they recommend to me. So now that I'm a, a VID, which I don't know what that means personally, but, you know, status. Um, so they give me a list and I look through them and I try to find something that's kind of a mix between um, a more anime kind of vibe and a Magic the Gathering kind of vibe. Because Magic the Gathering kind of does more of a realism kind of theme where you know you can see a lot more of the hard details of a human structure or dragons and it's not as kind to children. Or, and I find, I find that as my end spectrum of the end. And my beginning is the more anime kind of vibe like Yu-Gi-Oh or um, Pokemon or um, Carve by Vanguard, and I try to find something in the middle. This way, my artwork is kind of adaptable to the, my age group. This way, I can appeal to younger kids and say, oh, cool, flaming dragon that doesn't look too vicious. And I can appeal to the older artists, like, yo, this is kind of lit. I like this, but it's kind of like more adult themed, you know? This way, I can try to get the best of both worlds. Got you. Got you. Um... I don't think I have a follow-up to that, actually. Um, so yeah, you could go ahead, Malik, if you have anything. I don't know, I feel, I feel a little lost too myself. Well, actually, I guess a follow-up because you did talk about the design of, I guess, the creature, but also like, what about oh, the, you know, the border? Yeah, the border of the card, the fonts that you're using, um, the size of the font, like how does that also like, play a role in all of this? I, fortunately, uh, you know, I for that one, I think that was a little harder because we had to go through several templates. I think eight different templates to get to where we are now to try to find something that is aesthetically new because we have to bring our best to the table to, you know, compete with Bandai and Konami in terms of uh, this industry. We had, and something that still kind of represents a more realism kind of vibe, you know? And I think 
from for us, what we had to really look for is like, okay, can this clearly can the information on the card be clearly articulated? Uh, is it is it not too shiny? Is it not too graphic? Um, is there too many you know um, little designs or sparkly things? Is it too flashy? You know, we had to make sure to kind of dumb it down at sometimes, and sometimes we was too dumbed down. It looked like uh, looking at dirt. So we had to, to like, you know, kind of sparkle it up. <laughs> um, it, it was a, it's a definitely more of a process. And I think uh, what I've learned is that um, to kind of describe a current template, it's it's subtle. It's kind of more of a futuristic kind of vibe, more glassy. You know, you guys will see it when you see it, you know. But, um, and um, but I think where we are now with it, I like it a lot because it's, it clearly articulates everything so that even children understand this was no confusion in gameplay and all the information is on the card that needs to be given and so you don't even have to read too much of a rule book to really kind of play because so I know people hate reading the manual you know it's modest they just like throwing cards on the board and as for the yep yep I know <laughs> <laughs> and um as for the font, I had uh, uh, your help a little bit for that. And I had my mentor, Josh, uh, also a member of Battlecore, um, to help mentor me in like what kind of font is really appealing to the eye. Because, you know, I'm an engineer, I'm not a graphic designer. So taking my hand at Photoshop was a whole new world, enjoyable world, but uh, it comes a little tedious at times. But you know how it'd be for artists. Um, but I think, I think that, I think it's my answer to that question. I hope that I answered it to the best of my ability, but that was more difficult. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely feel that because I know like in Yu-Gi-Oh, like if I see a big paragraph at like the bottom, I just be like, uh, I don't know what to do. So I'm gonna just summon it and see what it does after. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yes, it does. I, I see like I know like the older Yu-Gi-Oh cards used to have like one or two sentences. The ones I've been seeing now is like a oh, whole thesis. It's a whole essay. <laughs> it's a whole essay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. So it used bad. to be simple back then. You should just be like a flip, return two cards. Yeah. Now it's like <laughs> X, Y, Z. You need this amount of monsters on the field plus this amount of stars, but they can't be above. It's just yeah. a whole bunch. Or like you really? can't destroy this monster unless you such and such and such and such. Oh, man. It really is. If oh, I, I know you guys don't play like that anymore, but you should have seen the whole Ring Dragon or Rafiasco. It's it, it was literally... I could write, I could submit this as my essay for an engineering paper and <laughs> probably get the same amount of word counts. It was. Oh, no. Was... I understand, bro. Anytime <laughs> I used to play uh, Zach in, um, what is it? That's a game? Why Go Pro? Yu Gi Oh! Pro? Yeah. Like, he would always summon monsters that, like, I have to physically read over and over. It doesn't matter how many times I play him. <laughs> if he still summons that monster, I'm like, yo, what does this do? Because I never learned my lesson. <laughs> and then by the time I'm reading it, it's like my turn. So like the countdown is just going down. As oh, I know. I can't make it. Like I have to make a rush move. So. Yeah. Right. Time, like it's but, different. So how, how do you personally balance um being an engineer and being uh, a game? Um, during, well... And during school, when I had to do that, it was, I think it was difficult because, um, you know, as professor before, we started a year before COVID. So we're literally halfway through our journey, uh, we got hit by the, the terrible vid and uh, it attacked our nation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, 
uh, it was, I think, I would say it was, it was pretty difficult because at one hand, I, you know, I had engineering homework that night in a paper due and I had to tell myself, oh, I got to make also type up like three new cards and make a whole new template. And this way, you know, Fiverr doesn't get on top of me, you know? So yeah. I think, um, I, it was, I think it was, it was difficult, you know, luckily, you know, Battlecore kind of rose up and we have more of a team to help out. So they dealt with testing and development and, you know, it wasn't just me and Frank Antonio anymore. So, but it's still uh, quite a doozy. Luckily, thanks to, you know, I guess it's a better blessing occurs. Uh, since I'm fresh out of college, still looking for a job, I have a little more time on my hands. So I was able to focus a little bit more on the aspects of zones and getting it moved a little faster, making some bomb, bomb uh, artwork for the for it. So it's it's really nice right now. Absolutely. Cool. How would you, how would you, um... How would you express the importance of teamwork when it comes to developing? It's literally your lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> I think in any project as big as this, no one man can do it alone. No one person can do it alone because it is it is so hard. Like, like imagine if every card you saw in Yu-Gi-Oh was made by one person, you know? Or not yeah, yeah like, it's like maybe like ten thousand cards i'm I, i'm struggling just to get to 500 <laughs> at the moment just for just for beta testing you know so teamwork is very a very strong aspect i, I think in any 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 big project any big is any <laughs> any <laughs> oh man so i would i would stress it and communication as well mm, stress yeah. it <laughs> stress mm, it mm. oh man no, i know that big key big key big, factor big key. in any project that you do like yes sir yes sir anything <laughs> um just to kind of like wrap us up a little bit um because we are running low on time here um, just talk about like your future plans for Zone, um, like where you're at and what's the next step that you're moving on right now. Whether how small it is, like it could just be like um, the next step is just finding this right color for something. Like it could be as small. Just tell us okay. the future plans or where you are right now. So, so at the moment right now, we're currently trying to gather all our artwork together so this way we can release our first two starter decks so because right now we are on the verge of finishing our templates and finalizing everything for all the type of cards we need right and right now we're struggling with most is artwork because artwork decent artwork good artwork is very hard to come by at a small price so it's a slow process you know and right now we seem to have settled on what two themes we want to release first i think we have settled on Currently, we've decided on red and white would go first on the starter decks on the shelves. And wow, I'm sorry, man. Blue, blue will come out soon. Blue will come out soon, bro. I'm telling you. But we decided because because they're so simple to learn and teach people with. I we decided that um, those would be two colors. Um, and unfortunately, I, I personally wanted red and green, but I got avoided. So that's how life is. Um, and getting those um, artwork done, getting the rule book done to make sure that, you know, it looks nice aesthetically um, and finding the appropriate uh, production company, I think is 
the next plans. This way, everything goes well. Uh, in between those plans, we've been thinking about whether or not we wanted to open a beta server because we're having one of my good friends is currently making a small beta version of Zone to put online so people can test it, you know. Mm. And we're just trying to decide whether or not uh, if we wanted to open a Discord to have people beta test it online and give some feedback back this way. We've any last minute changes we need to do, we can do them. Um, but right now, I think those would be my my and my team's current plans. Cool. Well, if you do open that beta server, Implausible Podcast also does gaming. So we would like a ticket into that beta server and, you know, test out the video game for you. Understood. Understood. You got it, man. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Do you have any more questions? Uh. I do have one question. Sure. Uh, when 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 can I get a shirt? Get a shirt? Oh, I can order you immediately. Uh, her name, I'm Miles, a sponsor. I got this from my good friend Ellie. She's a part of this clothing line called Zool Now. She makes very good shirts. Like these are fabulous. Like they print it right into the shirt, so it's so wash resistant. Whenever you want it, call me, and I can send it right over. I bet. <laughs> send it over, got man. Got you. <laughs> I might I might need that that sponsor because you know uproar. Hey, I'll get you that contact, man. <laughs> I'll get you that contact. Ellie, Ellie knows what to do. She's good. She's good stuff, man. All right. Um, shout, out, shout out to Ellie. Yeah, shout out to Ellie. Ellie. All right. Well, thank you, Isaac, for coming on to our podcast. And thank talking you so much for having about me. Your fantastic game that I cannot wait to play. Um, and cannot wait to read because it's not just playing the game. It's also reading about it. Everything's fundamental. I would love to see what's what's gonna happen with you know my that water that water symbol there. I need to know. Less, bro. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> but as always, this is the Implausible Podcast. Subscribe, like the video, comment what you would like comment. to see next. Um, comment about zone. Maybe uh, a zone, zone that you're interested in learning about. You can comment that in the section below. Um, but. Thank you for watching the video. Peace. Good everybody.